God's the greatest. God's the greatest. God's the greatest. God's the greatest. I bear witness that there is no God but Allah. I bear witness that there is no God but Allah. I bear witness that Muhammad is a servant and messenger. I bear witness that Muhammad is a servant and messenger. Come to prayer. Come to prayer. Come to success. Come to success. God's the greatest. God's the greatest. There's no God but Allah. In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful. All praises due to Allah, the Lord of the worlds, the Beneficent, the Merciful, Master of the Day of Judgment. Thee do we worship and thine aid we seek. Show us the straight way, the way of those on whom you have bestowed thy grace, and not the ways upon those who portion the Lord's wrath and who go not astray. Amen. I bear witness that there is no God but Allah, and I bear witness that Muhammad is his messenger. In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful. I bear witness that there is no God but Allah, and I bear witness that Muhammad, of 1400 years ago, was the last messenger servant and prophet to the world. As I greet you in the greeting words of peace, we said in the Arabic language, the universal greetings of As-Salaam Alaikum. And we add what to Allah, we're better which means in English, may the peace and mercy and blessings of Allah be upon you. I'm going to take uh, this week again from Surah Al-Muk, uh, Surah 67, verse 67, the dominion. Um, and I'm going uh, to 
talk about verses 8 through 10. And verse 8 tells us, Almost bursting with fury, every time a group is cast therein, its keepers will ask, Did no wanna come to you? Verse 9, They will say, Yes, indeed, a wanna did come to us, but we rejected him and said, Allah, God, never send down any message. You are in nothing but an egregious delusion. Now, Allah lets us know that the companions of Hellfall are people that would be people that had warners come to them. There is no one on this earth that will be left without having some type of warner and message from Allah come to them so that they would know the path to paradise of Jannah and so that they will be able to have the knowledge and wisdom to avoid the fall of hell and to enter into God's or Allah's good pleasure. And we cannot say that Allah is an unjust God because <coughs> He lets us know and He informs us that He is a just God. He's a righteous God. He's the beneficent, the merciful, the master, the king, the all wise, the all knowing. He's 99 attributes that describe his personality, that describes his might, his power, that describes who he is. He's a just God that will reward us for following the message of truth. He's a just God that will punish the wicked for rejecting the truth. Everyone has to, as the saying has gone, has been said, lay in the bed that they have made for themselves. Everyone would either accept the message of truth, right, of Allah, or reject the message of Allah. And Allah tells us that Allah has sent the Prophet Muhammad wasallam, peace be upon, upon him as the seal of the prophets and messengers, meaning that there are no more messengers and prophets to come after him with a revelation or a book being given to them. We have messengers that come to us. We have warning, warners that come to us and delivers a message from Allah. 
to show us the right path, to show us what we need to do in these days and times in which we are living. So, Allah says, look here, now you cast into the fire. You hear the fire bursting with fury. And you will hear the companions of the fire reply. A warner came to us, but, but when that warner came to us, what did we do? The unbelievers will say, we rejected the warner. But it is not all that they will say. They will also say, Allah never sent us any message. And they will say that you are in a egregious delusion. In other words, the companions of the far will say, in other words, they will just tell a lie. You ain't never sent no message to us, no messenger to us. You made that up. You you lie. They lie. And we look around the city in which we live. Whatever city that you live in. It doesn't matter how insignificant a person may seem to you. If that person is teaching Al-Haq, the truth of Allah, and they're not a millionaire, they're not wealthy, but that truth is from Allah, meaning that a messenger has came to you, meaning that a warner has came to you, so, you cannot say you didn't know nothing about Islam. Because at one point in your life, you have come across Muslims. You have heard the message of Islam. You have heard something that will save you from Jahannam or hell. Allah is not an unjust God. He's a just God. And so he will send a messenger. Regardless of how insignificant or significant you think that person is. If you reject the message, Allah rejects you. And Allah says that only on the day of judgment will Islam, submission to his will, be accepted from him. And Allah also says that on that day they will wish they were Muslim. Or one that submits their will to the will of God, Allah. And 
last verse tells us, verse 10, they will further say, had we but listened or used our intelligence, intelligence, we should not now be among the companions of the blazing fire. Now look what now look what they say. It's like a person that doesn't believe the warning that if you don't stop acting stupid, if you don't stop acting silly, then bad things will not happen to you. They don't listen to the warning. They don't listen to the message. They don't listen so that they can avoid the hell that is about to come upon them. So when it does come, they say, oh, they lie, make up stuff. And then they say, no message come to us. No warning has come to us. We didn't know. We didn't this or that. They, in other words, will say, if we just listen to what he was saying. If we just listen and understood and used our intelligence. They always say, if. If I would have did this. Or if I would have did that. You know. Unbelievers take the life of this world as something, as sport and play. Nothing is serious. You know, everything is a ball game. Everything is a football game. Everything is a game. And the message of Allah has become something that is not taken seriously because the life of this world has deceived the hearts and minds of the people. If you allow the life of this world to deceive you, then you would say, Allah has never sent down any message to us. We were so much into sport and play we laughed at people that was speaking Islam. We paid these people no mind. The life of Allah serving God is something that the unbelievers take and scoof. Or they take it lightly. Or they take it as something that is not important. They may come back and say, wait a minute. Man. Look, I got to make my money. It's not taken seriously. Man, I, it don't matter. I'm making my bread. It don't matter if it's right or it don't matter if it's wrong. But you send the warning. You give them the warning and you move on. That's all that we as believers can do. We can only tell people. The message. We can't force them to believe. Because there is no compulsion in religion. We can only tell them the message. Allah says just warn the people. But don't force them in it. Warn the people. Tell them the beauty of Islam. Tell them 
the truth of Islam and fight against the lies of Islam that are said by these wicked and evil people to get people away from their salvation, which is Islam. Tell them the truth. But after you have told them the truth, don't grieve over them because they do not believe. Because Allah tells us that we can't get everyone to believe whom we love. We can't get everyone to believe who we wish would believe. So we can't grieve that somebody doesn't believe. We got to drop the message on them. Give them some light. After that, it's between them and Allah. And if they choose to listen, Alhamdulillah, praise is due to Allah. But if they do not, and they refuse to use their intelligence, then we did our job. We get our reward with our Lord, Allah Ta'ala. And as I greet you in the greeting words of peace, we said in the Arabic language of Aslam Alaikum, and we are Rahmatullah, which means in English, may the peace and mercy and blessings of Allah be upon you. Hazrat Abu Huraira, ready relates that the Holy Prophet وسلم, peace be upon him said Allah says whoever is inimical to one whom I befriend is at war with me when a servant of mine approaches me through the medium of that which I like best out of what I have declared obligatory for him and continues to advance towards me through optional prayers nawafil, then I begin to love him when I Make him my beloved, I become his ears to hear, and his eyes to see, and his hands to grasp, and his feet to walk. When he asks me, I grant him, and when he seeks my protection, I protect him. Bukhari. Hazrat Anas bin Malik. Ready down and states that the Holy Prophet وسلم, said, Allah says, When a servant of mine proceeds towards me, a hand spread, I rush towards him and arm. And when he proceeds towards me and arm, I advance towards him by the length of his arms spread out. When he comes to me walking, I advance to him running. Bukhari. Hazrat Ibn Abbas Rari Adham Al Relates that the Holy Prophet وسلم, said People are great losers in respect of two bounties In other words, health and effluence As a result of which they do not worship Allah as much as they ought to do Bukhari Hazrat Aisha Rari Adham Al Says The Holy Prophet وسلم, used to stand so long during his optional prayers at night that the skin of his feet would erupt. Therefore I said to him, Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, why do you stand so long in prayer when Allah has forgiven your past and future sins, if any? He said, 
then may I not become the most grateful servant of Allah, Bukhari and Muslim. Hazrat Aisha Reddit and Han relates during the last ten days of the month of Ramadan, the Holy Prophet Sallallahu peace be upon him, used to keep awake the whole night and would call upon the members of his family to do the same, greatly intensifying for prayers. Bukhari and Muslim. The Shahabas of the Prophets are the companions of the Prophet. Uqba ibn Amir. After a long and exhausting journey, the Prophet, peace be on him, is at last on the outskirts of Yathrib. The good people of the city go out to meet him. Many crowd the narrow streets. Some stand on rooftops chanting La ilaha illallah and Allahu Akbar in sheer joy at meeting the Prophet of Mercy and his loyal companion, Abu Bakr al-Sadiq. The small girls of the city come out gaily beating their daffs and singing the words of welcome. The full moon has come upon us from behind the hills of Daniyati Elawada, grateful we must be, for what to God he calls, O you who has been sent among us. You came with the mission to be obeyed. You came, you honored the city. Welcome, O best of those who call to God. As the procession of the blessed prophet wended its way, all around, there were joyful hearts, tears of ecstasy, smiles of sheer happiness. Far away from the scenes of jubilation and delight was a young man named Uqba ibn Amr al-Juhani. He had gone out to the Bawadi, the open expanses of the desert, to graze his flocks of sheep and goats on the sparse vegetation. He had wandered far in search of follow for his hungry flock. It was difficult to find suitable grazing grounds and he was constantly afraid that his flock would perish. They were all he possessed and he did not want to lose them. The happiness which engulfed Yathrib, henceforth to be known as the radiant city of the Prophet wasallam, peace be upon him soon spread to the near and distant Bawadi and reached every nook and corner of the land. The good news of the Prophet's arrival finally reached Uqba as he tended his flocks far away in the inhospitable desert. His response to the news was immediate as he himself relates. The Prophet, may God bless him and grant him peace came to Medina while I was tending my sheep. When I heard the news of his coming, I set out to meet him without delay. When I met him, I asked, Will you accept my pledge of allegiance, O Messenger of God? And who are you? asked the Prophet Uqba ibn Amir al-Juhani. I replied, 
Which do you prefer, he asked, the pledge of a nomad or the pledge of someone who has migrated? The pledge of someone who has migrated, I said. So the messenger of God took the same pledge from me as he did from the Muhajirin. I spent the night with him and then went back to my flock. There were twelve of us who had accepted Islam, but we lived far from the city tending our sheep and goats in the open country. We came to the conclusion that it would be good for us if we went to the Prophet Delhi so that he could instruct us in our religion and recite for us whatever revelation he had received from on high. I told the others, take turns to go to the messenger of God, peace be on him. Anyone going may leave his sheep with me because I am too worried and concerned about my flock to leave them in the care of someone else. Each day, one after another of my friends went to the Prophet وسلم, peace be upon him, leaving his sheep for me to look after. When each returned, I learned from him what he had heard and benefited from what he had understood. Before long, however, I returned to my senses and said to myself, Woe to you! Is it because of a flock of sheep that you remain thin and rich and lose the opportunity to be in the company of the Prophet وسلم, and to speak directly to him without an intermediary? With this, I left my flock, went to Medina, and stayed in the masjid close to the Messenger of God. May God bless him and grant him peace. Uqba had no reason to regret having taken this faithful decision. Within a decade, he had become one of the outstanding scholars among the companions of the Prophet, a competent and beautiful reciter of the Quran, a military commander, and later on, one of the eminent Muslim governors as Islam spread east and west with astonishing rapidity. He could never have imagined, as he left his flock to follow the teachings of the noble Prophet وسلم, that he would have been among the vanguard of the Muslim forces that liberated fertile Damascus, then known as the mother of the universe, and that he would have a house for himself among its verdant gardens. He could never have imagined that he would be one of the commanders who liberated Egypt, then known as the Emerald of the World, and that he would be one of its governors. The faithful decision, however, was taken. Alone, without possessions or relatives, Uqbar came to Medina from the Hawadi. He stayed with others like him, on the Sufa or elevated parts of the Prophet's mosque near his house. The Sufa was like a reception point where people like Uqba would go because they wanted to be close to the Prophet They were known as the Ashab as Sufa and the Prophet peace be upon him once described them as the guests of Islam.
because they had no income. The Prophet وسلم, peace be upon him, always shared his food with them and encouraged others to be generous to these guests. They spent much of their time studying the Quran and learning about Islam. What a marvelous opportunity they had. They were in close and regular contact with the Prophet وسلم, peace be upon him. He had a special love and concern for them and took care to educate them and look after them in all respects. Uqba gave an example of how the Prophet trained and taught them. He said, One day, the Prophet, may Allah bless him and grant him peace, came out to us while we were on the sufa and asked, Which of you would like to go out to the open country or a valley every day and fetch for himself two beautiful black camels. Such camels were considered prized possessions. Every one of us would like that, O Messenger of God, we all replied. Now, he said, each one of you should go to the mosque and learn two ayats verses of the book of God. This is better for you than two camels. Three verses are better than three camels. Four verses are better than four camels, and so on. In this way, the Prophet وسلم, peace be upon him, tried to bring about a change in attitudes among those who had accepted Islam. A change from obsession with acquiring worldly possessions to an attitude of devotion to knowledge. His simple example provided them with motivation and a powerful incentive to acquire knowledge. On other occasions, the Ashab, as Sufa, would ask questions of the Prophet in order to understand their religion better. Once Uqba said, he asked the Prophet, what is salvation? And he replied, control your tongue, make your house spacious for guests, and spurn your mistakes. Even outside the mosque, Uqba tried to stay close to the Prophet On journeys, he often took the rings of the Prophet's mule and went wherever the Prophet desired. Sometimes he followed directly behind the Prophet, peace be on him, and so came to be called the Redif of the Prophet On some occasions, the Prophet would descend from his mountain and allow Uqba to ride while he himself walked. Uqba described one such occasion. I took hold of the reins of the Prophet mule while passing through some palm grooves of Medina. Uqba, the Prophet said to me, don't you want to ride? I thought of saying no but I felt there might be an element of disobedience to the Prophet in such a reply, so I said, Yes, O Prophet of God. The Prophet then got down from his mule, and I mounted in obedience to his command. He began to walk. Shortly afterwards, I dismounted. 
the Prophet mounted again and said to me, Uqba, shall I not teach you two surahs, chapters, the like of which has not been heard before? Certainly, O Messenger of God, I replied. And so he recited to me, Kul Audu Brebi al Flak, and Kul Audu Brebi al Nas. The last two surahs are chapter of the Quran. I then said the Ikama for Salat. The Prophet led the Salat and recited these two surahs. Afterwards, he said, Read both these surahs when you go to sleep and whenever you wake up. The above instances show continuous education at its best at home, in the mosque, riding, walking in the open school of the Prophet. May Allah bless him and grant him peace. Two objectives occupied Uqba's attention throughout his life. The search for knowledge and jihad in the path of God. He applied his energies totally to these objectives. In the field of learning, he drank deeply from the fountain of knowledge that was the message of God. Peace be on him. Uqba became a distinguished mukri or reciter of the Quran, a muhadith, a recorder and narrator of the sayings of the Prophet, a faqih or jurist, a faradi or expert on the Islamic laws of inheritance, an adib, a literator, a fasih, an orator, and a sa'i, a poet. In reciting the Quran, he had a most pleasant and beautiful voice. In the stillness of the night, when the entire universe seems peaceful and tranquil, he would turn to the Book of God and recite its overpowering verses. The hearts of the noble companions would be drawn to his recitation. Their whole being would be shaken and they would be moved to tears from the fear of God which his recitation induced. One day, Umar ibn al-Khattab invited him and said, Recite for me something from the Book of God, O Uqba. At your command, O Ahmed al-Mufanin, said Uqba and began reciting. Umar wept till his beard was wet. Uqba left a copy of the Quran written in his own hand. It is said that this copy of the Quran existed until quite recently in Egypt in a well-known mosque named after Uqba ibn Amr himself. At the end of this text was written, Uqba ibn Amr al-Juhani wrote it. This smooth half of Uqba was one of the earliest copies of the Quran in existence, but it was lost in its entirety with other priceless documents due to the carelessness of Muslims. In the field of jihad, it is sufficient to know that Uqba fought beside the Prophet, peace be on him, at the battle of Yehud 
and in all the military engagements thereafter. He was also one of the valent and daring group of shock troopers who were tested to their maximum during the battle for Damascus. In recognition for his outstanding services, the commander of the Muslim forces then, Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah, dispatched Uqbah to Medina to convey the good news of the liberation of Damascus to Umar ibn al-Khattab. Uqbah spent eight days and seven nights, from Friday to Friday, in a continuous forced march to bring the news to Umar. Uqbah was one of the commanders of the Muslim forces that liberated Egypt. For three years, he was the Muslim governor of Egypt, after which he received orders from the Caliph Muawiyah to mount a naval expedition to the islands of Rhodes in the Mediterranean Sea. An indication of Uqbah's enthusiasm for jihad is the fact that he committed to memory the sayings of the Prophet on this subject and became a specialist in narrating them to the Muslims. One of his favorite pastimes was to practice the skill of spear throwing. Uqbah was in Egypt when he became fatally ill. He gathered his children together and gave them his final advice. He said, My children, Guard against three things. Don't accept my sayings attributed to the Prophet, peace be on him, except from a reliable authority. Do not incur debts or take up a loan even if you are in the position of an Imam. Don't compose poetry for your hearts might be distracted thereby from the Quran. Uqbar ibn Ahmed al-Juhani the Qari, the Alim, the Ghazi, died and carry on was buried at the foot of the Mukatam Hills. Allah, Allah, Ar-Rahman, Ya Allah, Ar-Rahim, Ya Allah, Al-Malik, Ya Allah, Al-Quddus, Ya Allah, السلام يا الله المؤمن يا الله المهيمن يا الله العزيز يا الله الجبار المتكبر الخالق يا الله البارئ المصور الغفار القهار الوهاب الرزاق يا الله الفتاح يا الله العليم يا الله القابض يا الله الباسط يا الله الخافض يا الله الرافع يا الله المعز يا الله المذل يا الله السميع يا الله البصير يا الله الحكم يا الله العدل يا الله اللطيف يا الله 
الخبير يا الله الحليم يا الله العظيم الغفور الشكور العلي الكبير الحفيظ الحميد المحصي المبدئ يا الله المعيد يا الله المحيي يا الله المميت يا الله الحي يا الله القيوم يا الله الواجد يا الله الماجد يا الله الواحد يا الله الأحد يا الله الصمد يا الله القادر يا الله المقتدر يا الله المقدم يا الله المؤخر يا الله الأول يا الله الآخر يا الله الظاهر يا الله الباطن يا الله الوالي المتعال البر يا الله التواب يا الله المنتقم يا الله العفو يا الله الرؤوف مالك الملك ذو الجلال والإكرام المقسط الجامع الغني المغني المانع الضال النافع النور الهادي البديع الباقي الوارث الرشيد الصبور Allah is the beneficent, the merciful, the king, the holy, the peace, the guarantee the guardian, the almighty, the irresistible, the majestic, the creator, the evolver, the fashioner of forms, the forgiving, the subduer, the bestower, the provider, the opener, the all-knowing, the restrainer, the extender, the abaser, the exalter, the giver of honor, the giver of dishonor, the all-hearing, the all-seeing, the judge, the just, the gentle, the all-aware, the forbearing, the magnificent, the much-forgiving, the grateful, the sublime, the great, the preserver, the nourisher, the bringer of judgment, the majestic, the bountiful, the watchful, the responsive, the vast, the wise, the loving, the all-glorious, the resurrector, the witness, the truth, the trustee, the strong, the firm, the friend, the all-praiseworthy, the accounter, the originator, the restorer, the giver of life, the destroyer, the living, the subsidiary, the perceiver, the illustrious, the one, the unity, the eternal, the omnipotent, the determiner, the expedient, 
the delayer, the first, the last, the magnificent, the manifest, the hidden, the patron, the supremely exalted, the good, the ever returning, the avenger, the partner, the king, the owner of all sovereignty, the lord of majesty and generosity, the equitable, the gatherer, the rich, the enricher, the withholder, the distresser, the propitious, the light, the guide, the incomparable, the immutable, the hearer, the guide to the right path, the timeless, the patient. أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وأشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وأشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وأشهد أن محمد رسول الله